And good evening once again, or good morning, or good afternoon, depending upon where you are on this rotating globe. Welcome once again to the other side of midnight, that magical time when, well, when things are not exactly the way they appear in daytime. Now, it used to be that we could say that with absolute rigid predictability, Remember one of Hoagland's laws, science is nothing if it's not prediction. But in the last several years, that hard and fast rule has kind of fallen apart. Because if you if you happen to watch the news, or you're on social media, or you're on Facebook, or Twitter, or Instagram, or I mean, they're endless, they're endless. You may have noticed, if you haven't been hiding on Mars, that the planet is kind of falling apart. All kinds of things have happened, certainly in the last year, the COVID-19 pandemic. And of course, as with everything else, we have bifurcated into two almost immiscible groups of people, those who believe that this is absolutely real and those who don't. And behaviorists will have an extraordinary time in future decades or centuries looking back and asking what was wrong with those people. Anyway, my first item tonight, for those of you who are new to the show, this is the way it works. I will give you the URL, which is the other side of midnight.com. You will go there. You will click on tonight's banner, which in honor of our special guest, because he hasn't been on for quite a while, how about another white crow, Percy's Geometric Holy Rocks. And that's going to be fun tonight. You're going to you're going to definitely be in for a ride. Anyway, if you go there and click on that banner, that will take you to the guest page. And what you want to do is you want to scroll down or better yet, click on the fast links right under the duplicate banner at the top of that page. That takes you to items for various guests, including me in what we call radio with pictures. A line I stole freely from RKO many, many, many years ago when we actually had a movie script in development at RKO. Oh, that we could have been lucky enough, that I could have been lucky enough to have a movie come out from the same studio that hosted Orson Welles. Oh, well, sick transit, Gloria Monday. Anyway, you're now on the Radio with Pictures page. You're looking at my items. Item number one. Remember, I've been saying several things about this COVID-19 situation for the last year. First of all, that it was artificial, meaning it was done genetically. It was, it was crafted. It was created. It may have been created using this extraordinary new gene technology called CRISPR. And that's going to be part of our virus shows, our vaccine shows when we get to that point, we're still working out some details. Uh, but however it was done, it was done. And none of the mainstream uh, pundits are saying this. The alternative news media is saying this. And then, of course, they instantly focus on China as the culprit, that this escaped from the lab there in Wuhan, and the rest is awful, awful history. I have a different take. Remember, I had these conversations with my friend and colleague, Dr. Chandra Wickrama Singh, and he and I have separately come to the conclusion that this thing came from outer space. Now, he's looking at this as part of a extraordinary panoply, a sea, a literal sea in the solar system of organisms, microorganisms floating around attached to asteroids, attached to comets, growing in comets, which have, you know, all kinds of raw materials and all they need is sunlight, and bingo, there you go. I'm a little more pointed. I think this was created, crafted as a weapon, and I've said this again and again and again, deliberately sent to us uh, last year, plus a couple of months, in the late fall of 2019. And China was picked as the visible target because China, again, this is the model. China had been working quietly with the breakaways and they did something, in fact, they did it twice 
that the breakaways did not like. What was that? They beamed back pictures of real artifacts on the moon from Chang 3, which landed in 2013 in Mari Imbrium, and then again from Chang 4, which was the first spacecraft to land on the far side of the moon. These are robots, of course. And because of that and what they showed, someone, the guys upstairs, the breakaways, who they were the henchmen thereof, slapped them very, very, very hard by releasing, by targeting the Chinese initially with the corona COVID-19 virus. And the rest, as they say, is history because the Chinese who care about saving face more than anything else could not obviously admit to this scenario. And so they didn't say anything. They hushed up the real numbers of who got it, who died. They let people, you know, migrate all over the planet on vacation because it was the uh, Lunar New Year. And, you know, pandemic spread through contact. And this one spreads through contact and it's aerosolized. So it spreads through the air. As President Trump said to uh, uh, Woodruff, it spreads through the air. And the rest, again, is history. Now, when you come over to this country, it's intriguing to me that two presidents who could not be more different than night and day, earth, moon, moon, whatever, you know, horse and carriage, the dichotomy between how each is pursuing their presidency is completely 180 degrees apart, except curiously for one thing. Both have said at various times in their presidencies, starting with President Trump and now continuing with Biden, both have claimed to be wartime presidents in confronting the virus. I mean, Trump did it for, what, three days, and Biden has been consistent since even before he was sworn in. And if you noticed his speech the other night, the one-year anniversary COVID-19 speech, there were multiple references to him being a wartime president. He even invoked, again, the image of World War II, the all-hands-on-deck, the whole-of-government approach. I don't think this is coincidence. Because again, my model, backed up by Chandra's completely independent calculations, is this thing came from outer space. And now you look at these variants. Isn't it interesting the variants pop up just when we get a miracle set of vaccines, which, of course, are created not in the old-fashioned way, which is, of course, what uh, uh, Robin was so upset about with the various adjuvants and the other stuff they used to basically cook vaccines. And it certainly didn't take the, the years, almost decades in some cases, to, by trial and error, produce ultimately a workable vaccine. This was done at Warp 9. Oh, isn't that interesting? President Trump called his efforts to create a vaccine. Warp speed? Operation Warp Speed? Can anybody out there say Emily Dickinson? Remember, tell all the truth, but tell it slant? Are we, in fact, tonight at war with a very nasty adversary upstairs who has been trying for a year to basically infect the planet, planet Earth, with really long-term unknown consequences? Because as tragic as the death toll is, not only in the United States, but all over the world from this thing, as I've also been saying for the last year, what happens to those who are infected and who recover, or we think they recover, and then it turns out they haven't? If you go to my first item, 
how common are the long-term effects of COVID-19? This is a very encompassing and and uh, complete review, including uh, the work of one Dr. Lambert, who is located in Indiana, and she and many other colleagues are looking into this phenomenon called the long haulers. For those for whom COVID-19 came and it didn't come to pass, it came to stay. Like a year afterwards, they're still suffering all kinds of very debilitating effects. The most interesting, for being, you know, objective, are the mental effects. These people are reporting routinely that after they suffered from COVID-19, even if they didn't suffer, if they had such a mild case that they almost didn't know they even had it, or they didn't know they had it until they had tests done later, an extraordinary high percentage, it seems to hover now around 30% of people who are carrying the virus are long haulers. They are suffering one of many multiple symptoms of COVID-19, the most debilitating being this mental fog, the inability to focus, to concentrate, the inability to maintain emotional equilibrium. I mean, if so far in the United States, something like 30 million people have been tested and found to have this, that means of the 30 million people, 10 million people are still suffering. Now, there's an old maxim in war, in warfare, that what you don't want to do is to quickly kill off your opponent. What you want to do is to wound him on the battlefield so severely that his resources and his attention and his logistics and everything else go to maintaining those who are wounded, obviously withdrawing resources from the war itself, from confronting the enemy. Is it possible that as part of this diabolical plan, it isn't to kill us, but to basically cripple us in an ascending asymptotic curve dependent on the number of people who get the virus, who don't die, who don't suffer and have to be on incubators and then pass away or maybe come out after weeks and weeks or months, you know, but not the same. Again, these are extraordinarily distasteful things to even contemplate, let alone believe. And I put these ideas out there not as something that I'm attached to, but as things we need to think about when someone says to you, oh, I don't need to wear a mask. Because if the name of the game is to infect as many of us as possible, because one third of us will then be permanently disabled and we cannot think. I mean, think about that. That would be the most effective way to quietly take over the planet if someone had this in mind as an objective. The other thing that goes hand in hand with this, and again, I love independent confirmation of scientific results. I mean, that's the name of the game, independent confirmation. So look at item number two. This is one of the graphs that I put up from NBC a couple of weeks ago. It turns out the COVID tracking project is no more. The project of volunteers sponsored by uh, The Atlantic. And of course, the CDC and the other uh, references we've noted, which is the European version of the CDC, they have discontinued daily tracking. You cannot anymore call up an interactive graph where you can see literally how many people on a given day have died. But the stunning phenomenology of this, which I've been, again, watching for over a year, is that regardless of where they are, Regardless of age, condition, economic status, you know, social class, whatever, all over the world, people are dying from COVID-19 in synchronization. 
If you look at that graph, you click on it, it gets bigger. You can see this is a daily count, those fine vertical lines. That's a daily count from January 22nd in this particular representation. Look at the gaps in that graph. It turns out that every seven days, there is a spike in deaths followed by a valley. And if you go to, you know, end of January of this year, beginning of February, you see that very, very deep uh, dark line followed by this extraordinarily high red line. The red lines are deaths. The black lines are lack of deaths. And that ratio on that particular day, separated again by the seven-day cycle, was six to one. The following day, from that incredible trough in the midst of a overall rise, a surge, was six times as many people the following day died as died the previous day. And the cycle marches inexorably on. To me, this is the most important discovery of this pandemic. Because first of all, it argues incredibly persuasively that this isn't a scam. This isn't a hoax. It isn't a pandemic. It's real because who in their right mind, faking statistics, would put in a seven-day relentlessly repeating resonance cycle? Nobody. The reason being that if you're pulling off the greatest hoax in history, you don't want people studying your data too closely because they may find ways to figure you out, to trip you up, to prove that it's all a chimera. That seven-day cycle is not only the key to the reality of what we're confronting tonight, maybe a planet involved in unknown and secret interplanetary war. It's also maybe the secret of death and life itself. Now we go back to item number one. Turns out that in Dr. Lambert's study, the long haulers, those who suffer from these symptoms that go on for weeks and weeks and months and months, it turns out that their symptoms have a periodicity. And that periodicity, wait for it, is seven days. There is stunning frontier science here despite all the horror and the death and the tragedy and the sorrow, there is stunning science about life and death on planet Earth itself. If someone with some funds, some money, some research grants can take a focus on this singular phenomenon, because it may turn out to have far more import when this virus is behind us. It may be the key to figuring out life and death itself. Item number three. Item, I Switching have something out of space. to say, Richard. Um, I have something to speaking say. Speaking of being at war, <clears throat> Richard, there's I another have space war going on tonight. He can't hear you. You've got the Skype the nation of muted. Japan and the nation of Myanmar. As you may remember, if you've been listening to the news, Myanmar recently went through a coup, and the elected government was thrown out, military took over, and they've been basically running the show for the last several weeks. Well, before this all happened, Myanmar had contracted with Japan to build and launch a Earth resources satellite, satellite with good cameras, telescopic cameras, various spectral filters and all that to basically help with national agriculture. After the coup, turns out now that Japan is unwilling to release the satellite back to Myanmar and to launch it for them. Why? Because they claim that the satellite with existing technology could be repurposed. I mean, forget agriculture, forget monitoring forests and blight and you know watersheds and all that it would make a damn good reconnaissance satellite for the Myanmar military and the nation of Japan tonight 
is holding the Myanmar satellite hostage. I mean, did you ever think? So no matter how far out our speculations, no matter how bizarre the scenarios, remember, we're living at a time when the stuff that was safely confined to these wee hours of the night, the Art Bell magic hours, have long since migrated to every part of the planet and every part of the clock and every part of the solar day and night and everything that is bizarre somewhere is happening or is about to happen in this new era. And again, you know, we can talk about peaks in physics and all that. That's a, another conversation. Well, the Myanmar thing apparently has given our guys at NASA a bit of a turn. And that's where item number four comes in, because it turns out that one of the fears of those who have been developing for decades, the James Webb Space Telescope, the successor to Hubble, and of course, that's kind of comparing the Queen Elizabeth to a very large uh, tugboat, because the Webb Telescope is extraordinary in terms of size, complexity, price, because it's been delayed forever, and the ability of what it's going to do when it gets on station in terms of, once again, revolutioning, revolutionizing our view of the universe, including doing a little eavesdropping in events that are happening in our own backyard here in the solar system that Hubble could never pull off. Well, in order for this telescope to begin to function, it has to be launched. The window now is in October of 2021. It may be delayed again, who knows, but so far it's now on track <clears throat> after several scrubs and re, you know, scheduled um, to be launched in October. And it has to be launched from uh, Guyana, which is a little nation perched on the northeast coast of South America. And because it's so big and so heavy, and so complicated, the only way it can get there is not by air, not by rocket. They have to take it on a ship and physically transport it via ocean carrier from the United States to South America. And they're concerned. I mean, I think maybe the Japanese situation is all part of what they're worried about. They're concerned that pirates getting wind of which the ship schedule would be and where it was going to be in the era of satellite tracking and all kinds of other ways of knowing, you know, if a sparrow falls anywhere on planet Earth. They're afraid that pirates will literally board the vessel, take control, steal the telescope, which has a lot of gold parts, among other things. It's worth about $10 billion dollars and try to sell it back to us in other words another hostage situation and i can't believe i'm talking about all this because in any other era this would be science fiction i mean i can think of several ways that uh, classic writers could have written this up this is real folks this is what the world has come to tonight NASA is worried about pirates stealing the Webb telescope before it's even launched. So they're not releasing schedules or manifests or bills of lading or anything having to do with when this is to be shipped. Although they did say in the article sometime in July or August, well, that kind of narrows it down. There also has been a hint of um, uh, the U.S. Navy, maybe acting as a, uh, a defender, you know, sending a couple of destroyers would kind of keep any would-be pirates at bay. But, you know, given what happened in Somalia several years ago and the movie that Tom Hanks did as a result, again, nothing about life on planet Earth these days can be considered normal. Okay, item number five. Um, just as Perseverance lands, and finds itself in the midst of some extraordinary, absolutely mind-boggling 
evidence of ancient civilizations on Mars, including a succession of civilizations in Jezero Crater, uh, Yezero, you pronounce it like with a Y, we have been told, uh, which used to be an ancient lake. There's an article which came out, and I'm, I'm trying to remember who did it. In fact, I can, I can click on it. It is in the um, Smithsonian's uh, Air and Space magazine by a writer named Dirk Schultz Makuch, uh, writing on March 12th, which was yesterday, Friday. Um, we may never find life on Mars, and that would be a good thing. Perseverance, the Fermi paradox, and the great filter. Now, someone sent me an email this afternoon, and they said, is someone deliberately trying to downplay expectations so that even if there's any kind of official announcement from Perseverance, nobody's going to pay attention because pundits have said, well, we may not ever find life out there because it's there is some mechanism which is preventing them from surviving past a certain point. And the article goes on to discuss in great detail what those points might be. Well, of course, if you look at the Perseverance pictures, as we're going to be doing for the next uh, three hours, it's obvious that this writer has never seen an artifact on a Martian image. And I doubt if he would even recognize one if he was shown one. Again, that's kind of what I would think of as the great filter. I think the timing of this article is very curious because item number six, remember tonight, the Chinese are in orbit around Mars waiting to land. Perseverance is down. It's roving around in a limited way. The United Arab Emirates is orbiting tonight with their spacecraft called Hope circling Mars every few hours. And the Chinese are waiting and waiting and waiting. What are they waiting for? And the reason I ask that is because if you go to number seven, this is the official poster that the Chinese government put out when they launched uh, their, their uh, Questions of Heaven mission to Mars last year, last summer. They put a piece of a, a model uh, with the Chinese you know, flag prominently on the front in front of a background that initially everyone could be, you know, kind of forgiven for thinking it was a piece of art. No, it turns out to be an actual NASA image from the Curiosity mission to Gale Crater of a background on Mars, which is nothing less and nothing more than one of these extraordinary ancient arcologies that we have found. Go to number eight. This is a little artwork that I had Andrew Curry do for us. There is the enlargement of the background with the camera mast from the uh, Chinese rover mission uh, sitting in front of it. In the background is all this amazing geometric stuff. And then the inset above it shows what it looks like if you had a really crisp image. That's not a mountain. You don't see that regular geometry anywhere but in artificial structures here on planet Earth. So why did the Chinese, why did they put their spacecraft in front of stolen artifacts from Mars? Well, when we come back from the other side of midnight, we'll explain. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Kaufman, Natural Healing Consultant. Welcome to the other side of the news, where they're open to hearing the truth and take it seriously. 
the first thing you got to look at is the methods like nothing else matters because that's where they describe the experiment so then you can decide if what you can conclude from the experiment <laughs> right mm -hmm. and that, that's really really important because you know they make false claims and people don't understand how to use statistics and all these things could be misleading what i notice that they do now is they put the method section at the very end and in some papers it's in a separate document that's like an addendum so in other words they just present the the results and conclusions and an introduction section and nobody looks at the methods but that's the most important thing because if you don't know that you don't actually know what they did because you know there's a lot of art to experimental design and uh, you know some people can be very clever about it some can be very elegant about it but there's also like a many ways that things can be fudged and there's books on this right like one of Bill Gates favorite books how to lie with statistics then you know you have the John Ioannidis article which is one of the most highly cited papers where he says more than half of all published research is false Right. So, mm. but, but how many scientists, when they go to read a paper, say there's a 50% chance that this article is false. So I better read it really carefully. Right. They don't do that. But all this clinical research, it's really just, it's really marketing. Yes. It, that, that's what it is. It's not actual research. With this the vaccine trials, you know, it, it's just, they basically designed it exactly perfectly to show what they could say you know that bogus 95 percent effectiveness uh that's the the relative risk reduction of having a test and it's not even the overall risk reduction would be like 0.4 percent but they describe it that way it's a statistical trick where they could say 95 percent and they also defined the outcome and then they had to wait seven days after the vaccine. But all the people who got sick within that seven days didn't count. You know, all kinds of uh, tricks. They're, they're, they're experts at this. They know, yeah. they know what they're doing and, and it's really hard to even figure out what they're doing. Welcome back, everyone, to the other side of midnight. Um, I'm going to bring on uh, my guest now because both of us have shared <clears throat> some extraordinary experiences in this journey. And I've not been able to talk to him until tonight to kind of find out what he thinks is going on. Because Keith not only is a, uh, a genius technician at bringing extraordinary detail out of these NASA images, but he also has sources. He talks to people in the agency. And as I've been saying now for a couple of weeks, the um, bottom line seems to be that something has put the kibosh on NASA in a way that I have never seen in the decades and decades and decades that I've been involved with them as a consultant to Goddard, that I've been covering them uh, for CBS News, that I've been covering them for the other side of midnight. Um, there's something really extraordinarily weird going on, and no one seems to want to admit what it is. I mean, NASA TV is still totally screwed up. There was a major spacewalk today. Did you see it? Did you hear about it? Could you go to NASA TV and click on the scheduled time? Because this has been known for, you know, a couple, three weeks. No, because their schedule is running like freely it's not associated at all with the programs that come up in various times and i know because i've been taping everything and playing it back at 300 frames per second so we can see if anything lines up and it's like two sliding temporal bars occasionally just because the two schedules happen to coincide you know the old joke about stop clock is right twice a day 
you will get a program that's actually the program, which is the program. And then it goes completely out of phase again. And this has been going on for, well, ever since a couple of days after Perseverance landed. Have you seen any NASA TV public press conferences after that first weekend? I mean, it landed on the 18th. Uh, we had press conference on the 19th. We had press conference, I think, on the 20th. And then everything was scrubbed. Not only that, but if you go to the Perseverance website to look at various images, press releases, press images, background videos, interviews with various people, and the raw images, most important, the raw images. I went to the raw image file the other night, and it was gone. And immediately I thought, oh, my God, are they that damn dumb? Because a lot of amateur image processors who've been following in the stead of people like Keith and many others have tried to work with these images on their own computers to replicate, to confirm the startling results that we're seeing at the Percy landing site. I mean, you can't look in any direction without seeing artifacts, without seeing mechanical junk, without seeing, you know, blocks of stone, foundations of, of you know, towns, uh, all kinds of stuff that does not belong, according to the, you know, NASA mainstream explanation. So I went looking and I'm digging and I'm clicking and I'm going. It turns out they, they didn't take it down. The raw image file for Perseverance is still there, but you're only going to find it if you're really obsessed and compulsive because they've made it almost impossible for the average person to find the raw image file because it's now buried two further clicks down. If we know one thing about people who use the Internet, they're incredibly lazy. If you present them with more than two clicks, they're gone. You've lost them. Uh, advertisers know this. Make it simple. Keep it simple. Make it up front. Make it one click. Please, one click. Well, the raw image file is at a minimum three clicks away, which means they're titrating further and further and further and further in this funnel to where they're going to wind up with two chihuahuas and a pussycat somewhere in Tijuana watching the Perseverance mission. Oh, and did I happen to say something about the press conferences going away? Well, the other night, um, they had one kind of in secret. We got wind of it. We posted the link two days before on the other side of midnight. I hope a lot of you went and clicked on that and saw the time count going down and kind of you know either recorded it or watched it because it was all about this incredible experiment uh, one of these technical experiments as part of, of um, uh, Perseverance, the Ingenuity helicopter. Except, I mean, most normal NASA press conferences for missions that have newly landed, this cost the taxpayer about $2.7 billion. They want to really crow, so they put the briefings in prime time. They put them in the afternoon for the late risers, but early enough for the evening news shows and, of course, the website updates and all that. This particular briefing on ingenuity, which, by the way, was the number one question while there were live press conferences, Reuters and AP and NBC and Fox and everybody wanted to know about the helicopter. When are you going to find the helicopter? How hard is it to fly the helicopter? When are you going to drop off the helicopter? When are you going to drive over to where you're going to In other words, the helicopter was the number one interest of the mainstream aerospace press. So, of course, NASA, in this new incarnation, get this, they buried their ingenuity briefing at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, when, if they're not in bed, the press guys are all out drinking at various bars in New York and Washington and whatever. I mean, what? this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. So before I blow any more gaskets, let me bring uh, Keith on. Keith Landy is a space imaging processing and anomaly specialist currently living in Charlotte, North Carolina, actually not far from my family. He's a husband, a father, a grandfather, 
an artist, a copper master, an amateur space scientist, and avid promoter and supporter of all things space. The primary passion of his life, after about half of the above, is space imaging. His work has been featured by NASA, NASA Ames, as a matter of fact, mainstream news organizations, and planetary anomaly lovers the world over. Keith hosts a privately unequaled online collection of space imaging, planetary curiosities, and his own writings and music, which just celebrated its 13th anniversary. Mr. Laney, come on down. Hello, Richard. It's Hello, great folks. talking to you again. Yeah, you too. How you been? Very, very, very busy. And, of course, I'm still desperately missing Robin. She should be here. This is what we worked 20 years to get to. Oh, she would be having a fit with the. Uh, <laughs> she would. She would be having a fit over the way things have been going. Uh, yep. You know so let me well ask you. Let me ask you the big question. Given that you have sources, and I don't want you to reveal anything you don't want to reveal, but what are you picking up from our friendly local neighborhood space agency around Percy? Well, we know from we know for for fact. From all the missions so far that they've done, you know, we know from Spirit, we know from Opportunity, we know from Curiosity that they need some lead time. They are landing these craft in ancient cities, ancient ruins. They know where they're at. We've been scouting them for years, and they've been watching us while we scout them. Okay. Um, they land. They can't just open up those kind of eyes that are on that craft and start taking pictures of all the stuff or the cat is all the way out of the bag. So what they do is they give it a lead time. So they say they're experimenting. They say they're testing this and they're, you know, now the culture is mum's the word because they don't want the social media getting a hold of it and, and wild everything happened about it. And they're using this COVID excuse to be kind of hush-hush and saying, well, it's COVID, so we don't have the staff, we don't have the, you know, and it's kind of being used for an excuse for the cover of a lot of things. But I know for a fact that when they land, when they land these rovers, uh, they generally take a few days to get a lead time so they can scout around the local area and so they know not what not to focus on, what not to show everybody while they're looking and they've done this we we have tracked the, we have tracked curiosity being three or four miles further than what they're showing us with the with the data and um, we've suspected that for a long time and uh, they've done this with every craft uh, uh, sometimes they'll be going along and uh, they'll have a blackout oh we we had an error we had a we had a safe mode and then they'll sit somewhere for 8 days while they go and explore they did this at Murray Buttes with curiosity if you remember they did, this, they did this in several places. They've done it, and they gain lead time. During this time, they say nothing's happening while they're going and exploring and digging and taking pictures of all the cool stuff. And then they show us uh, – they give us the crumbs off the table, and that's something I'll touch on later because they, they obviously blurted it out to us and then showed us some spectacular ruins that everybody just whistled past the graveyard and left. Um, if uh, – you know, but my my main thing, what I've been doing lately, uh, I've noticed though, though they're quiet in this regards, they returned four images of an area that I've been trying to look at for years, uh, and they did it consecutively. Like, hey, Keith, look at this. You know, <laughs> you know, we know what you're going to do with this because these are pictures of pyramids. These are pictures of things that you've been looking for. You know, that you can correlate from other areas on Mars also. And they've released those to me. And you know, they know what I'm going to do with these things. I've been in their programs a long time. They they know who I am. They know what I do. They know what I'm looking for. You know, never they take me to Mars. I'm going to make whoever takes me that takes me there a very rich man. <laughs> because I know where all the goodies are. You know, I have 25 years of looking through a spyglass at a world and uh, and coming to the realization that, hey, this thing's covered with ruins and coming from a skeptical mindset. Yeah, that, you know, yeah, I, I kind of know where all the goodies are. Uh, if I don't know where all of them are, I know where enough of them are to, to surely fill our bank. And we have seen the gold. We have seen the artifacts. We have seen the pieces and bits of, of the exposed technology that's there. Imagine what's buried. Imagine what's in holes. Imagine what's in some of those great big pyramids that we see. And uh, Oh, if you have a big enough structure, and of course these guys built on a megalithic scale. I mean, buildings, arcologies, miles 
in diameter and miles high was nothing to them. You can imagine in the center of these structures, preserved against the Martian weather, the sand erosion, the, you know, the uh, enmities of time, there's stuff perfectly preserved, including the libraries. But we're not going to get them with machines. We're going to have to land men and women and literally go inside and do real archaeology and tonight, I, I just have this feeling that we're so much closer, maybe months. Like if you read my promo for tonight's show, I'm, I'm getting very suspicious about July 4th. I'm almost beginning to think that July 4th could be the date when we finally hear the truth of what's on Mars and by metonymy, the rest of the solar system. It just seems that close given the trend curves. Well, you know, we've got to think also, you know, everywhere we've landed just about there has been an ancient city and just about everywhere. And I mean, we're scouting for more areas and there is there's no end to them. I find a new, you know, every time I go hunting, just about I'll find something new that'll lead to something. You know, it's you have to be dedicated, you know, and then given the way they that they give us the data and the secrecies and all behind it. And, uh, you know, uh, even even as much as, you know. I like I like getting the actual satellite data to work with. I don't like the stuff that they put on the web, you know, what they call raw images because they're not raw images. They're uh, produced JPEGs that go on the webs. That, but wait, how can you get access to the real raw images if they don't? Uh, well, uh, now for Percy, they're not online yet. But I go to the PDS and they have the actual satellite data that's there. You have to learn how to decompress it and – yeah, well, but, uh, you know, but that's like a year-long delay. The, the scientists no, associated no, it's, with it's 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 usually six months. It's sometimes it's three, but it's usually six months. Sometimes sometimes they have it quarterly, so you know that they release the data. And uh, but I know they release uh they release the curiosity data every six months, and uh, you just go there to the archives and I look through them. And the pictures that I get out of the out of the actual raw data, in other words, what what NASA decodes to make what everybody else calls raw data or IMGs, I go in and get the actual satellite data, and it takes it takes a binary uh, Unix program that I have. When you say the satellite them. data, you mean the actual mission data? Yeah, the, act the actual download data, like the actual raw bits that came from the craft to through yeah, the satellite cause, cause, to the ground station. Curiosity and Percy are rovers, not satellites. So it's never, never been, and never, yeah, but it comes through the satellite because it's beamed up to MRO, and then MRO beams it back to to the earth uh but i mean it's still bits you know, it comes in in bits and it's it's a data stream that's uncompressed it's come in and puts it put into a repository and then it's worked with and decoded and decompressed and made into images well i like the data that's not been messed with the raw stuff i don't want what someone else has taken and processed and and, and put their color bias on and and so forth and you know maybe didn't take the time that i particularly would in bringing out the details in it and contrasting it and you know doing this sort of thing so i prefer to look work, work with the stuff that's straight from the satellite so that there's you know there's no other hands have touched it other than me and also that data is almost 30 percent clearer than what you'll get elsewhere um simply because it's a you know it's a it's closer to the source it's sort of like remember in the old analog picture days you wanted something with a low gen neg yeah of course it's 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 it's, it's equivalent to that in a way you know, I, in a way, or 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 when they archive it, do they take off the filters? Well, that they when it's put on for the public and for yes. that interim three months, six months, whatever. Yes, pretty much so. Now, you know, there are places where there are places where the bear patterning patterning makes a little mesh on the image and so forth. That, just, that a lot of that's electronic interference, and you really can't do much about it. And but the sad thing is that that sort of thing can also be used as a screen or a covering. And uh, you know, now I don't want to get so much into into what they what they may have doctored out, or what they don't doctor out, because there's plenty there to see. You know, no matter the finest photo doctor in the world, when or when giving a plethora of artifacts in front of them, it's not going to see everything. And they're probably going to miss the really poignant stuff. Let me go back to the Percy landing because, again, you know, I've been with NASA. I've watched NASA ever since before my Cronkite days. <clears throat> I wangled my way to one of the first Saturn launches in the VIP site. And I found it so boring that I walked around the VAB over to the press site, which was a lot more fun. 
So I've been kind of around this agency for decades and decades and decades. I got to tell you, I've never seen an agency in such a fetal position behind the scenes as they are with Perseverance tonight. They've totally screwed up NASA TV. I don't know whether you've watched. They've canceled all their major press conferences. As I just said a moment ago, they buried the Ingenuity helicopter briefing at 10 o'clock Eastern time in the middle of the night. So they're trying to titrate down to, you know, three chihuahuas and a pussycat in Tijuana or watching. <laughs> They've never done this, which means something shocked them to their core. The folks that are running the mission or the folks that are upstairs in the upper directorate did not get the memo because they're acting like they're gobsmacked that they're looking in every direction at ruins, at mechanical junk, at all the stuff we've been saying for decades, and they don't know how to react. So this is not normal. In any way, shape, or form, this is not normal. I was hoping through your continuing contacts with some folks in the agency, you would have had some intimation of how freaked out they are. No, uh, no, they're nominalists. They never tip their cards like that. Uh, okay. You know, they never tip their cards like uh, that. You have to, you have to judge them by their actions, though, and you see them uh, being kind of hush hush. Now, you got to think though. You you have the you have the Percy people, and that's an entirely whole different set of people than Rand Curiosity. Now, you know, you have some of the same people. No, it's not. No, 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 no. There's there's huge overlap between the two teams. Huge, uh, huge. You have a different. You have a different PI. And as yeah, you'll have different you'll have a different administration. You'll have a different way well, they want to run. The principal investigator on the Mass Cam Z, which stands for Zoom, is James Bell. Doctor Jim Bell used to be yeah. at Cornell at Sagan's old. Oh, he's been in, he's been into the he's been in the imaging department for a really long time. I believe I've conversed with he him. He was before. the PI on um, on uh, Opportunity. Mm -hmm. The pan cams, an opportunity yes. in spirit. Yes. He was the principal investigator. So don't tell me there are new hands. He's an old season hand. And somehow, as we landed, as the spacecraft literally touched down there in Yezero Crater, we got two sets of stunning images. We got a Hascam color shot showing incredible blue skies, no JPEGing, no nothing, and artifacts visible even on the Hascam, which are all color now. And then a, a day later, uh, I'm sorry, two days later on Sol 3, we got the 650 megabyte TIFF of the entire landscape, 360 from Mascam Z, put out by Bell with all kinds of errors. But the, the images are so crystal clear that even though they kind of fit together as a kind of a, a quilt where you can see the edges of the frames, which you should never see, never show your edges, you know, never let them see you sweat. <laughs> the data on those tips is stunning. And they're not JPEGs because they're, 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 they're no compression artifacts. And then is when things went south. The next press briefing, which was supposed to be on Monday morning, or Monday afternoon, I'm sorry, two o'clock, um, uh, Eastern time, um, noon, my time got canceled and left a huge hole in the NASA TV schedule. That's still not repaired. There are no more live briefings. They desperately need to go live to get people interested in jazz. So they get money from the Congress. They're doing none of that. So it's, it's, it's turmoil inside. It's not situation normal. And please, I pray you're going to tell me you saved all the individual frames from that TIFF image and can produce a gigapan from Sol 3. Please, please tell me that. Well, the one from Sol 3 is rather difficult to do because they mixed, they had to mix the frames, the lefts and the rights, and they don't really go to go together. And that's why they're, that's why they're, they, they basically got, probably hand stitched most of that onto a grid that they had using the geometry of the, of the mm -hmm. camera. Um, and you know, they've done this several other times with early pans. Now what they did do is take a zoom pan on saw four that went 360. Of yeah. But they, they've changed things. They're altering the damn images. 
ones I looked at were pretty clear. I, I've got no, no, no. It's I've not about one. clarity. It's about faking. It's AI putting in fake structures, fake shadows, fake rocks, fake all kinds of stuff. If you compare, which I've done, you know, endlessly on 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 the show for the last several weeks, the Sol three close up of what we used to call the bunker, and now we're calling the Temple Butte because it is a temple. It's an ancient sacred space in a vast architecture. It's it's a temple. It's not a bunker. And then with your Gigapan from Saul 4, which ostensibly was shot with the zoom, you know, the four to one zoom, there are differences in the features that are striking in their absence from Saul 3 and their presence on Saul 4, in particular, a stunning satellite dish sticking up from an object sitting on the hill about 500 feet away projected against the background temple and in Saul 3 it's crystal clear in Saul 4 it's been turned into two rocks and a weird shadow so they're using their boasted AI technology which they say they've taught using tens of thousands of frames to analyze or create planetary surfaces, they're using that to destroy and alter specific details so folks, not you and me, but the normal audience interested in NASA, if they saw this, they'd freak out. They'd know the jig was up. So they're taking out the blatant, obvious features in a way that is conning the public and the press and the politicians into thinking nothing's wrong. I think they're buying time. I think they're trying to buy time because their Travers is going to take them right up to the front door the long way around to Temple Butte in the next maybe three or four months. And they will not be able to get away with this because too many things will be happening too soon and people will demand live information, live data. Could be, I, I, but I'm telling you what, they didn't do too good of a job to cover up some of the stuff I've seen in that pan. Um, yeah, but it's it's the stuff that you and I can see is not the stuff they're worried about. They're worried about the stuff the ordinary American is going to see that they do not want them to recognize too soon. Because I think we're operating on a clock. I think there definitely is a clock ticking, and when we come back, we're going to talk about it because the clock turns out to have a Chinese rhythm. My guest this morning is Keith Laney, who is a preeminent uh, expert at image processing with sources in NASA, with protocols that have cut through the filtering, with a technology that allows us to see what's really there. And even in an altered universe where NASA is arranging for supplementals, alterations, it turns out that there's enough there to blow your mind. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing 
to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.